Hello and welcome. My name is Hazel Thompson, and I'm your host of Beyond the Story podcast. This podcast is to highlight the incredible stories of people around the world that I've had the privilege to journey alongside as a photojournalist and filmmaker, often in hostile environments and war-torn countries. Together, we'll be focusing on key justice and humanitarian issues affecting the world today, hearing directly from the individuals behind the headlines and their journey beyond the story. I hope as listeners that you will be inspired by the transformational strength of my guests. Come and join me on this journey and hear the first-hand experiences of ordinary people surviving the extraordinary and the transformational power of hope in not only surviving, but thriving beyond the story. My guest today was born in a brothel to a fifth-generation temple prostitute and grew up in Mumbai's red light district. As a photojournalist, I've been travelling to India since my early 20s, a country of extraordinary beauty where I also documented poverty and injustice. I spent 11 years going back and forth, embedded undercover, in order to tell the story of the brutal reality of sex slavery and trafficking in India. My guest opened the secrets of the red light to me. He was my fixer, my translator, my guide, my bodyguard, and teacher of the realities of how a red light district operates. But more than that, he's become a dear friend and brother. Please be aware that today's conversation includes content that some listeners may find upsetting, with references to modern slavery, trafficking, and sexual violence. Now, today I have a very special guest. And before I begin to introduce him, I just want to let you know that we actually have changed his name for security reasons so that he can freely share his story and share how we have both worked together. So welcome, my dear friend and my brother from India. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today, Rahul? Good, Miss Hazel. I'm doing well. (laughs) Now, it's such a joy to have you come and talk in person today. As you and I have actually known each other, which I sat down and worked out for this interview, nearly 20 years. Yes. (laughs) It's a long time, half our lives. I actually first met Rahul in 2002 when I started to investigate sex trafficking and sex slavery in Mumbai's red light district, which is called Kamatipura. And Rahul has become like a brother from another mother through all we have experienced together. And I have to say, out of all my years of working, Rahul, you are probably the closest person I've worked with and over the most many years. We've worked extremely close together and in quite dangerous environments and also travelled across India together. You were my main fixer for my 11 years of investigating sex slavery and trafficking in India and for my e-book taken. Without you, without your family... Without the charity's assistance, opening up the access to Kamatipura, opening up the world of sex slavery in India, also just your protection and the way you looked after me, I can honestly say that I wouldn't have been able to tell the stories of the, the young women who've been trafficked and enslaved. So thank you that all you did 
over those years. Most welcome. Because you were a gift. I wanted to get Rahul on today. We worked and, and did together over many years. We have a very special relationship as a journalist and, and as a fixer, as I would call you, but you've become a dear friend. But you have an incredible story and I wanted to share that with the listeners because it's incredible what you have experienced and what you've journeyed. Thank you so much, Miss Hajal. It is really a great opportunity once again to see you and share my story. It's really a great, great uh, privilege and I'm very happy that after a long time being to, you know, see you and speak to you and listen from you. It is really good. Thank you very much. First thing I want to ask you, now I did ask us a bit earlier. <laughs> Rahul couldn't remember this and I was like, what? But <laughs> do you remember when we first met? Yeah. I, I, I truly, I do not remember but a lot of things going in my mind. But a few minutes ago, you know, I just, I recap myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah I met you in the so I met um, Rahul's mother was running a night shelter for a charity for children yeah. to have safe haven while their mothers worked at night in the red light district. And I actually met Rahul there back in 2002. And I remember him coming and uh, sharing a little bit about his life. And we sat on the steps while the children played around us right in the center of the red light district. I mean, it was right in the heart. But we really got to know each other. You went away and did other work, didn't you? And then I came back a few times to India, but you were no longer working for the charity at that time. But we really, really connected back in 2010. Yes. And that's when really you became my main fixer. So in a journalism terms, a fixer is the person who really sets the story for you. You were my translator, you were my bodyguard. You made sure I got the access where I needed. And I couldn't do anything in the red light district without Rahul's approval. I think that was quite an incredible experience. because For me, I actually had to feel, I had to entrust you with my life. Yeah. And we giggle about it now, but I'm quite a strong-willed woman. Well, you, you've been trusting me more. I, I believe that. I can see that. You, I remember all those moments. I'm quite a strong-willed woman and to entrust your decisions. And we're from very different cultural backgrounds. And we, we had a few moments working together. <laughs> um, when we travel, you know, along like a thousand miles going to Karnataka, oh my, that was an amazing experience. We traveled many miles, many hours. We saw many hard things over the years and we had some very special moments. We shared many meals together on the, in the floors of, of brothels, in the red light district, in people's homes and in your family home. You grew up in a red light district. Could you share what your childhood was like, where you grew up and share some of your experiences? Uh, the red light district means lots of bad things happens every hour, every minute, everywhere around you. That's a red light district and that's where I grown up, born and raised. I remember... I was talking with my mother and uh, she, I was asking a question, which hospital I born? So she said, you born in the brothel. So that's where I born and uh, living uh, in the red light district and in the brothel growing as a child. 
I do not remember everything, but I remember some kind of pictures, you know, as an age of uh, three to four, five. I see around me most of girls, you know, and they have a different kind of clothes and wearing and different kind of makeups and they've been beaten. And that's, that's how I used to see around me. And I had uh, no future, you know, as I grown up, age of, uh, it's, it's really hard living in the, born in the red light area. I do remember when I was asking question, my mom, which hospital I born, you know, and my mother said, you born in the brothel and that's where you born. And that, that means I see myself, you know, I born in the brothel, not even the hospital. Even I didn't get the privilege to come born in the hospital. I born there and as I grown up, like age of three to four, I do not remember everything. I can remember a little bit pictures, you know, how the girls around me and surround me. Most of time, these girls look after me and they fed me and they 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 taught me. I played with them and as I grown up, like a four or five or six, you know, in this this time of prayer, I'm completely thinking and understanding what's going on around me. And one person comes and he took to the girls and he come back. You understand as a child, you know, as a child around you and you try to understand what's going on and they're giving money and they're taking money and they're giving to brothel owner and all this kind of picture. I was trying to understand what is going on, you know, as I grown up, you know, I many a time I see many girls being beaten and tortured, forced to have a sex with the men. I, I do remember some of girls, her name was Malika and she's been beaten like anything, anything. And you know, as a baby and I was crying, you know, I was also crying. I said, what is happening? Why is he crying? You know, that kind of experience, it is really hard. And uh, as I grown up around uh, seven to eight and that age where child needs to go to school, I had no privilege to go to school because of my background. I remember when my mother took me to the uh, school to get the admission. So these teachers, they said, we won't allow your children just because of the label prostitute. And that's the reason I never got the privilege to go to school. But there was a deep down desire, you know, to learn and uh, understand. I used to see the children, you know, different. When I go out of the red line, I see the children having a bad tie and all those things. So you always have a desire, you know, to learn. But I never get that privilege because of only I born and raised in the red light district. I had labeled the prostitution and that's the reason it, it was hard. Later on, we got some person and he tried to put into the school and that's how I got little formal education. You didn't have the opportunity as a child to learn to read yeah. or write? No, 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 no. See, the thing is that there is a, I don't think so, a boy or girl born in the red light area and they know about the education because their parents, their mother in the sex slavery and they atmosphere around there is a no, no way you can find the education. Do you understand? There is no way you find the education. There is nobody will come and teach you like the learn. You will make your future. You become doctor. You become nurse. I had no dream about that. You know, I become doctor, nurse. Nobody taught us 
you know because you need some good atmosphere you need uh, some good people you know educate people like uh, i see now people around the world because they are living in the good atmosphere i'm aware for the boys and young girls in the red lights there's many children born in brothels still today i suppose without an education the only future is to join the gang yeah if you're a boy sell drugs or yeah. become a pimp or a trafficker yeah or the girls if you're a daughter of a prostitute yeah your only choice is to follow your mother yeah or become a manager or or a, a madam so it's there is a no future in the red light district i'm telling you there is a no future you cannot uh, find a future because you're living in the bad atmosphere you growing in the bad atmosphere when you get up you're not going to hear a good morning hmm. hi hello how are you you will get direct direct bad word so how are you going to accept that you're going to learn good things you know there is a no way you will get good things what was it like at night time when your mother was working and did you have enough food what was daily life like for you actually uh my daily life was very horrible as a child i sleep a many time without food hunger stomach and uh, i used to take a bath once in a six month and mostly i used to take a bath whenever rain means that is our like uh, full of enjoyment so you can take bath anytime that's anytime. monsoon season and yeah. we've seen that the kids in the red light district when the rain comes the water would come down the tarpaulin Yeah. and we would see all the kids come out yeah not only wash but dance yeah. and wash it yeah dance so that, and that, that is a festival for us okay like you can enjoy like any time night day you just take a bath that monsoon time i was more clean and neat and good because whenever you want you jump to the rain and take a bath but while food and living standard was very bad i used to sleep under the bed where lots of girls sexually abused you know Literally, so you used to sleep under the bed. Yeah, under the bed where lots of girls sexually abused by the customers. That so you'd be I'm... sleeping under the bed while the customer would be with yeah, the girls yeah, above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's how I used to sleep because I had no shelter and uh, no place where I can sleep. You know, and uh, mostly rain time was a good for a take a bath, but rain time was a bad to sleep because you don't have a place. Mm. Because I I used to sleep uh, outside. when rain is not there but when rain comes so i have no option so it's it's very small places 3 by 6 room and under that you going under the bed and you're sleeping and you can literally understand what is happening and what the customer is talking and what the customer is doing you're exposed to everything and yeah. just to explain to those listening um uh, give you an idea of what kamatipura is like it's really made up of five main lanes There was approximately when I first went 20,000 women and children living and working there. And so where Rahul grew up, there's big bungalow houses and in those bungalow houses there are literally 10, 20, 30 brothels and then in one brothel there'd be like 10 women working with maybe only four beds to share and then their children would be living there there. So it's very standard. I I actually remember Rahul The very first time I came to India in 2002 I I've got a photograph of a little baby. A customer had just left a brothel. I walked in and the baby was sleeping just by the edge of the bed, just under the bed. This was shocking. But when it really hit me is when I went to the charities 
home for children where they used to take children like you, Rahul, who had grown up in, in, in the red light and they would take the girls at risk so they wouldn't follow their mothers. And at night in this home, the girls were still sleeping under the bed, even though they had a perfectly good bed because that's all these little girls had known. And that's when it really hit me that this is their, the daily reality. So it's, you, you just sharing that re- reminds me. Yeah. No, still it happened in the red light district. The mother had no choice where to send a baby, where to make baby to sleep, you know. Rahul, you have a very interesting family history. Yeah. How did your family come to Kamatipura? Could you tell us a little bit about your mum, what your mum did, and then also the history of your family? My family involved in the uh, fifth generation in the prostitution. India is a full of God, you know, 33 million gods. You cannot believe, you know, 33 million gods. Out of that one God called Alama, which is uh, located in the India, Karnataka. So this God for girls get married, that means they are married with God. So that is what, you know, you get married with God, so you don't need to marry. And people can abuse you, people can use you. So that's called a temple prostitute. So that's how the my grandma, grandma, so my grandma, see all the way came from Karnataka to Mumbai in the British time. So that's during the British Raj, yes. when Britain ruled India, and it's called the British Raj era. So this is giving it a little bit of time context. What is this, the 19... It's your grandmother, probably the 1920s, 30s. Is that about right? 1920, I believe, you know. So she came and uh, she started a business with a small and she understood the things because uh, she used to take the gods of Elama and go. So she she was a very smart, very fast fast. She collected everything and she started running the brothels. She started running the brothels. She bought the many girls from the Karnataka, you know, and she connect with the agents, please. I remember I was asking my mother this question. So she used to say, my mom, she was the most powerful woman in the red light district. You know what? She used to supply the young minor girl to this British soldier. I said, what? I cannot imagine. She said, you have to. I, she's saying, I saw in my eyes, I was baby. My mother was telling me. I said, wow. So that, that she used to supply the girls to the British soldier. You know? That's how she used to run. And she become very, very powerful. And when she become very young, because she came around the 12 age or 12, 12 or 13 age to Mumbai, when she become young, she was most wealthy, wealthy woman in the oh, red wow. light. Just to give a bit of history to Kamatipura, like most red light districts around the world, Kamatipura was built as, um, it originally was a trades area. You can correct me here, Rahul, Kamati means tradesman. Because he. this is my teacher sitting in front of me to teach me about the red light district and the, the history of it. But Kamatipura ended up becoming a comfort zone a place for the British soldiers to come to be with prostitutes. And it was very standard practice across the world, actually, for the military to go to comfort zones. You know, these men are at war and these comfort zones were created, basically red light districts. And we actually found in researching the book and Rahul and I went to the library and we found the history 
I have to say, getting a library card in Mumbai is like trying to get a visa to a country, but that's a whole nother story. We went in and found the history that, um, and um, also uh, Danny Smith, who helped me on the history side of the book and Taken, we even found memos of from British soldiers talking about pe- getting local Indians, which would have been like your grandmother, yeah. procuring pretty young girls for the soldiers, which is basically trafficking. It was happening before the 1920s. This has been happening for generations. So Kamatipura ended up, yeah, becoming this red light district, which at first was servicing the soldiers. So just to give a bit of context and history to that. So share more about what happened with your family. Yeah. So I'm seeing become the most wealthy uh, woman in the red light area in those days. So uh, my mother means lots of information I got uh, from my mother. She had more than 400 brothels, more than 400 brothels around the red light area because it's a big red light area, different, different areas. So she has a, every area, one house, two house, three brothel, few brothels. And she had every brothel, almost 20 to 25 girls. So she had a thousands of girls under her and everyday income, everyday income, full, every night, every means morning, they used to do the counting. So they put the money into the bag, full bag of money only money because all the brothel money somebody goes manager they collect and they bring and they bring in to my grandma and you know she used to count and she used to put the trunk a trunk of money like that. those time you know and uh, that that's how my grandma you know and my grandma and they bought land didn't they because when you and I traveled we traveled together I went to Connecticut with you yeah. You took me to your family's land, which, yeah. am I understanding right, was bought yeah, yeah, yeah. with this that's money. Right. That's right. That's and that's right. there was even a little temple. I yeah. remember a little temple to your grandmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today also we have that, but I normally I don't go. I've seen firsthand. See, I had um, thousands of, means, uh, thousands of acre land, but many houses and everything, you know. And my mother, uh, means my grandmom, want my mother to take her foot steps and take care of all these things. Okay. And my mother, she don't like it. But she had no choice. At the age of eight, my grandma forced my mom to be a temple prostitute. And she took to the all the way from Mumbai to Karnataka and she did all the puja, bhakti, arti, you know, worshipping and she dropped her to the temple prostitute so she cannot... Marry. In Indian culture, if you know you already married with God, nobody will marry you. They will look you as a, they can use you. They can use you as a, like a girlfriend and like that. So your mom was forced into sex slavery. Yes. Basically. Yeah. What yeah. was life like for your mom? How big is your family? How many children did she have? So she came back from Karnataka to Mumbai and she was living in the red light area with my grandma. So my grandma was involved with the drugs. She was involved with the all gambling world, everything. As my mother was growing, I think age of 14 or 15, she ran away and she bought four children when she back to home. So my grandma mom said, I will accept you when you take care of my business. That was a condition for my mom. And my mom said, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. You know, 
that is not my business it is your business even you are wealthy i don't care about your wealth i i don't want to do so my mother had no choice but somehow they compromise and my grandma gave a little place to uh, let my mom and uh, we can stay there and uh, i i remember small little memory about my grandma she was like sitting like a king and all the people used to come around her even police and pimps and agents and they used to give her money bribes to all those things as she become old you know and she got into the cancer so when she when she got into the cancer so she started using this all she started using all this money to play a gambling there are different kind of gambling those day so she 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 almost lost all the property all the house and everything and she come with only one house before she die you know she was in the debt and many people made a fool because uh, that time my mother was not in a matured and you know and her sister so they didn't know what is happening you know and everything has been taken away from my mother and unfortunately she came to in the same area with a small uh, house i can say like a tent so your so your mother was forced to be prostituted she had to continue prostitution to survive yeah. could you describe rahul for someone that doesn't know uh, kamatipura or has seen any photographs or any film in your own words describe what kamatipura is like like what does it look like what does it smell like does it have its own economy the red light area is mostly run in the night time mostly run because the, there is a community different community where all the girls been in the sex slaves and uh, different part of community good people wealthy people i remember when i was you know a small teen i remember many people you cannot believe this that time very much nepali girls okay many middle east from dubai all this uh, rafiq they call rafiq they used to come and they used to take uh, these girls to hotel and stay few day and when they come and they come with a full of bag and full of money so the the red light district normally you can say it's run by night and you know and it's around uh, you can see the gambling you can see the all dirty things you can see the fighting crime murder you can see the police corrupting you can see literally police are taking the it's, money yeah it's very Saturday. violent isn't it very violent yeah. i mean i yeah. saw with you yeah you saw many many fights it wasn't yeah. just one i you would hear screams and there'd be a person lying on the ground and they come out with big machetes yeah we yeah. i witnessed this i saw knives it's gangs it's basically yeah. gangs right it's it and each lane Yeah. has a different gang in control yeah. and and they were constantly fighting yes yes, yes. they protect their for example uh, we used to protect our people so we get the deal and we get the money and that is what we call matter if you if you sold some matter so you get some kind of amount and you want to show you are the king of your uh, territory you know and mostly in the red light area i can tell you you know people people won't get the peace 24 by hours you get the bad language you get to see the bad things you get to see the people living 
in the worst situation, you get to see the bloods. Every 24 hours, you'll get some fighting or some problem, some issue, something will happen. Or a girl will be killed. Rahul and I have seen a lot. But what you have seen, I can't compare. I've only seen a split second in your life. But yeah, that's right. I remember, I apologize before I share this, but just to people to really understand the level of violence. Girls are killed. If a girl tries to escape, you know, a girl is valuable, so they don't want a girl to escape because someone has bought that girl. But girls had also been killed. I, I remember one of the girls that we knew got beheaded. And I remember you yeah. were in shock. We shared that moment. It was some a girl we knew from, I believe it was it was a... 10th or 11th lane. I would call it a war zone. It's a gangland. Yeah. But the problem is with this war zone, there is no front line. You don't know when a fight will happen. You don't yeah. know when a girl is going to be abused or attacked. When you're hiding inside the brothels, while Rahul, Rahul would hide me to, to document, I could hear the cries of the girls through the walls. You could, you could hear it. But one thing which maybe people don't realize is how the girls are forced there. Rahul, could you explain where the girls are held and what the, the rooms look like and the secret spaces? Why do the police not go in and, and rescue them? Very good question, Miss Hazel. I really like this question. This is the most important question. I feel that, you know, many people don't know different uh, brothel and they have a different ideas. They come with the different ideas, how to hide, how to keep. Even prostitution is legal. But the prostitution legal above the 18 age. If you keep under the 18 age, then it is illegal because that calls a minor. You cannot use minor girls as a prostitution because they count as a child. So mostly those are people, you know, having under the 18 girls, they have to hide these girls underground places. They have their own ideas. Some people, they make a wall and under the wall, you will find some people make the ground, you know. There are different brothel, different kind of setup. You took me yeah. to a secret yeah. space. That kind of uh, secret places, you can see. And uh, the, the reason they make these secret places to keep the girls when anything happens. For example, normally police do not do anything. If anybody complained, then they will go and they will investigation because based on complaint, they have to do their job. If they are not anybody complainer, then they are not going to do anything. You understand? Yeah. These spaces, you and I spent years to get photographic evidence. When I first went to Kamatipura, I actually hadn't heard about trafficking. And I, I first went, that's when I learned about trafficking. And over the years, I started to learn that the girls were being held in cages, especially the minor girls, so the underage girls. And to be honest, most of the girls enter underage. Rahul, the average age, either you're born into sex slavery, so as soon as you hit an age where you're saleable, and, and virgins come at a premium, right? Yeah, so yeah. They, they could be prostituted eight, nine yeah, yeah. 10, this is just normal. Or the girls will be taken and trafficked in. And most girls, the girls we interviewed um, and spent time with, most of them came around 10, 11, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so these are little girls who, especially if they're not born into Kamatipura, don't even know what sex is. 
No, they don't know because they brought from somewhere and they put into the cage and somebody come and they will put you in the dark. You will never find, you know, where you are. So yeah, to put that in context. When they take the girls and they bring them to the red light. So one girl, the story that I followed in, in the book Taken, she's called Goody. She, for example, she was brought to the red light district age 13 from a small village outside Kolkata. She knew nothing. They, they brought her to a brothel. They have a systematic way to break the, these girls. So they rape them to break them. So they raped her to bro- break her. And then they put them in a cage. And when it's a cage, it's not just a cage with bars. It's a cage within a cage within a cage. So Rahul would take me deep inside. These are many cage doors, but actually the spaces that I learned that these girls were often found in were actually what I would call cage boxes, not much higher than a table, and they couldn't stretch their legs out. Yes, yes, yes. They, they, they're crept down. They couldn't even sit yeah. up. Even there's, a, there's sometimes cockroach, rat, you know. They, and it's dark, they, no light. Yeah, no light and cats. You know, I remember... The, and some, it's hot, right? Really. Yeah, very hot. Very really hot. hot. Really, really. So you, they can't breathe. And so these girls will be kept in these boxes. And the only time they're brought out would be to get food. Yeah. Food, or to have sex. Uh, yeah, the and sex and for example, is if anybody good uh, customer come with a good money, so they will produce these girls and they will show this is our new girls, you know, virgin and it's very good. I can enjoy and can have it and they will deal then 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 girl has to be used. Even they are, even they use a few time and they will just say this is a new girl, you know, and that's how they get the good money. I remember you sharing with me when you were a little boy. Your family would use you like a runner, right? To get the food for the girls. Share, share about that. When you're kids, it's very easy to access inside. So I used to get the food. I used to get the things. For example, I I don't know how to say, but I many times uh, this brothel owner sent me to the shop to get the condoms, you know. And I used to go and buy the condoms and I used to give, you know. And that was a, one of the very bad experience. And apart from that, at the age of eight, when I was eight, I was sexually abused. And uh, that, that really breaks my heart. And I was mentally disturbed. I was, you know, I was trying... And that, that's the moment I understand, you know, what's going on around me. So far, till age, I did not understood lots of things, how what is happening with these girls. And that's the moment when I've been through this, I was abused. So I, I was looking, I was looking to share, I was looking to tell. And there was nobody who can hear me. There was nobody who can help me. There was nobody who can understand what I'm going through. And I was trying to explain what is happening with me. Because that moment, I was trying to, you know, forgot, forgot. But it was keep coming, keep coming. It was one of the dangerous experience, you know. It can disturb my mind even now also. Sometimes if I go past, it's really hard. I feel very bad. And, you know, 
that kind of experience I've been through and I, I don't want any child, any single child in the red light area, those are born or living there or growing, they would go through. But mostly, mostly children, they, they go through. I know many story, you know, many story, girls being sexually abused, gun, girls, uh, mother, for example, mother having a customer and mother had no choice. So the child will sleep under the bed and the customer comes with the one intention to have a sex. With the, the child, with yeah. the mother. When he had the sex with the mother, so they give, a, you know, alcohol, she drinks, sleep, then child is down under the bed. So the customer intention to have a sex. So he found that baby and this girl, he had a sex with that girl and ran away. You know, that kind of mini story I can share. I remember many story, this kind of story happened. So there are many children, many uh, girls, boys, those are raising in the red light area. They are in the risk. Uh, they they face high highest risk. Anybody in the world, I can say. You cannot think they are secure. They are in the risk. They need help. They need someone who can hear they need someone who can understand them. They have a desire. They have a dream, you know. But being born in the red light area doesn't mean you are out of the world. You are in the world and you need to make your future. And there is no one who can explain. But I'm very happy that, you know, there are many NGO working and they are reaching out this kind of children. We met because... Yeah. It's down to an NGO. Over the years, they entrusted me and gave me access to the work that everyone was doing, all of you were doing. You were part of the team. You were rescue officer. I saw the urgent need and I saw the high, high risk these children are at. And just it felt like a tsunami of suffering. I feel it's actually quite a privilege that I know where you grew up. You know, I've, yeah, I've sat true. in your grandmother's brothel. I've sat on a bed that yeah. is from three generations back. I know oh, yeah. your family. I saw the street that you slept on. And I can say to all that those are listening, that is no place for any child to grow up. A red light district is a place of pain. It's not a place of pleasure. And that's one thing. It is pain. I'm telling you, this is a very horrible pain. Very horrible pain. My experience... When I've been through this experience, as i grown up, I was hating the people. I was hating. I feel to kill the people. Yeah. I feel whenever I see, I like, I have to kill them. That kind of revenge kind, you know, you're having kind, kind of revenge. And as i grown up, I was very different child, very different child. So I yeah, well, share about that. What happened? Who, yeah, because yeah. you joined one of the gangs, right? Yeah. See, when I become, uh, I've been sexual abuse age of eight, and I become eleven and twelve. So I become, I understand what is happening with these girls, what these people are doing, what teams are doing, how this red light district run. I understand the main power is the money. If you have mm -hmm. money, and things will, everything you will get it. You want to get money, then you have to be powerful. So. Around the 13 or 14 age, my height become like a six feet. Okay. Rahul is I, tall. Yeah, I was a tall. I was a you're tall. You're tall and you're big. And that's partly why I'm still yeah. alive today. Yeah. And 
I learned so much things. I learned in the living in the red light district. I learned uh, all the tools how to use. I learned how to speak, take the work from people, and uh, then that's how I used to stay in the red light area. And then I understand how these pimps bring the girls and uh, how they get the money. So we started catching the pimps and getting the money from them. We started uh, solving the problem. Were, with the wait, wait! Pro- you were robbing the pimps. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. You were robbing yeah. the pimps. What, your gang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me see, the thing is that, let me tell you, the influence. My grandma had a good influence. You understand, many people knows. Somewhere we drop out. But again, when we grown up, because we are a four brother, okay? Four brother. So we grown up. So as we grown up, so our restraint also grown up. Did you get my point? Yeah, and I, so, I saw this firsthand. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had immunity because of the reputation of your family, you and your brothers, no one would come near me if you were with me. Yeah, and yeah. I saw this. You were feared. Yeah. You were feared yeah. in the so area. And, uh, age of 14, 15, one of the, my biggest dream to join the underworld mafia. Hmm. And that was uh, my biggest dream. Uh, the underworld, uh, Daud, Abraham, he born and raised next to my area. So my desire to join his gang and become a very bad gang member. I remember once I took the some uh, uh, kind of tool, you know, like a sword in my back, and I used to keep and stand and put in the neck to someone and take the money and ask them money. So that kind of uh, things we were doing. And I was involved in some kind of drugs, you know, taking alcohol, and see, the thing is that living in the red light area, it is very hard because you face every day so many problems. So you have to take care of yourself. You need money, you need food, you need cloth, you need lots of things. How are you going to get? You can't get because society is not accepting you. You're out of the society. So whatever I have to do, survive myself. So I have to generate the things under the red light area. Soon I become so famous. So I started whenever elections happen, politician elections happens. So I used to ask them this much money you have to give us. Then we will ask all the girls because in those days, those days when I was very young, almost like a 50, 80,000 girls. So in one line, you will get... In, in, in Kamatipura, there was 50 yeah, to 80,000. Yeah, when and, I was... And the, am I right in saying... Those politicians, those politicians owned some of the brothels. There is no doubt. There is no doubt. So See you were basically getting, they were giving you what, protection money? No, the election. Voting, for voting. Voting, voting. Oh yeah. my gosh, they were paying you to get the prostitutes to vote for them. Yeah, yeah, because we were their king. I can say we were night king. I, you, I didn't know this. I knew that many politicians are no, the brothels, but I didn't know the they rigged the, the election. When you touch the topic, then the things will come. Sometimes yeah. When you touch the topic. So we were called night king. We whole night used to, you know, not sleeping and morning used to sleep. So mostly we had uh, some kind of very strong uh, hold in the red light area. People known, you know. So this politician, I used to deal with them sitting with a table and asking, you need to give uh, like a uh, 10 lakh. Or we'll, uh, now, we'll how much is 10 lakh in dollars or pounds? Well, I, I believe seven, eight thousand. 
seven, eight thousand pounds, which is a lot of money in in India. Yeah, a little money. But see, the thing is that it is not only one politician. When you fight the election, there will be many politicians. So what I used to do, I had a team. You know, I had <laughs> listen. I had a team. Okay, I had a team. So one team will work for you. One team will work for them. One team will. All you need to need to fix the job. So I used to take a three, four politician money. Okay, and divide the team, and they will they will put their table and ask them to elect to this person, elect to this person. Wow. But all they need are people because they are they don't have access to in the red light area. They can only come and you know show the hand, please hold me. But the power makes the things possible. Yeah. So that power I use for election, you know. And I remember many bad things which was happened many many time. We had a fight. We had a fight, and we've been to many time police. And my brother, my brother was a most dangerous. Means yeah. I, once once I can I, I can forgive. Once I can forgive, but he is like no forgiveness. He's, you know? He he uh, I I know his reputation was well known. Yeah. Talking about, about your family a bit more, Rahul, why are you not one of the biggest gangsters in Mumbai? And I now know that your family, when I first went to Mumbai, your your mum was no longer a prostitute. She uh, was now running and helping the children of the red light. She was running the night shelter. It's not just you, it's your brother, your most feared brother, your other brother, all of you now are helping girls escape or helping basically what happened? Why is your family no longer trafficking and running these brothels? Uh, let me tell you what happened. So age of uh, 14 to 16, I was involved a lot, lot worse things. And I want to become like now, do it whatever I want to do. And age of 16, you know, I remember many people in the red light area, many people, they spoke over my life. You know, you know they said, this is a word. I remember it still. They said, you are the worm who born in the gutter, live in the gutter and die in the gutter. Those words spoke over and over in my life. As a childhood, I was growing. So there was so much pain, so much shame and so much hurt, you know. And that... that Heart, you know, was in my life. And as I was growing, so many things I saw in my life. My life was uh, more than painful, I can say, you know. Childhood was very suffering when I become young. Now I'm facing lots of problems, you know, police and gang, lots of things. So I, I decided to kill myself. So I took the poison to end my life. I, I do remember when you go through this kind of life and living this kind of life and challenges, all these things, you don't have any choice. And that is what happened with me. I had no choice to live in this world. So I took the poison to end my life. But I think God doesn't want me to come past. So he had a, another assignment, gave me a second life. You were given a second chance. Yeah, second chance. We're leaving Rahul's story on quite a cliffhanger. I hope today's conversation has been eye-opening for you. It certainly has been for me. Even though I've known him for over 20 years, he told me a number of new things about his life and how a red light district operates. 
please join us for the next episode to hear the rest of his extraordinary story and journey. You've been listening to me, Hazel Thompson on Beyond the Story. Please consider supporting the work of my guest today by clicking on the relevant links below. And if you've liked what you've heard, do help fund the production of further episodes by giving to Beyond the Story's GoFundMe page. To make sure you never miss an episode, you can click follow on Apple, Spotify, or whatever platform you're using. And please do share the link with your friends. Thank you for joining me on this journey and hearing the first-hand experiences of ordinary people surviving the extraordinary and the transformational power of hope in not only surviving, but thriving beyond the story. Special thanks to my incredible team, executive producer, Nancy Fraser, assistant producer, Ella Kachani. The audio is produced by Drew Hawley at Lab Studios and the music is by George Holiday. Mm-hmm.